I think every video has a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Try and find the right way to do it. You could just, uh, you could sit in front of a camera and you could tell the story or you could get behind the camera and tell the story. You know, like there's like, I think there's a right way to do everything in a wrong way. And like, how are you gonna do things differently than everyone else? Hello and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and today's guest is Matthew Paquette. You may be familiar with Matthew Paquette if you follow YouTuber Matty Hapoya. He just left his editing position working for Matty. Also, by the way, Matty was on this show a couple months ago, so if you're interested in listening to that after this episode, go check that one out. But beyond editing for Matty, Matthew has a history in social media. Matthew actually rose to stardom on Vine two or three years before it actually got shut down, was able to grow an audience of over 700,000 followers on Vine. Being only a teenager and coming straight out of high school and college doing that, he was able to build a career off of Vine that then transitioned into doing freelance filmmaking and videography. In this conversation, we talk about how he dealt with the collapse of Vine and what he decided to do with his career and with the earnings that he built with Vine, as well as how he got his job working for Matty Aboya. Also, if you haven't been following the news with Matthew and Matty, Matthew has actually left the editing position for Matty to do his own YouTube channel that is now at this very moment actually hit about 40,000 subscribers already. He's only been on his own for a month and he's already at 40,000. It's incredible. We have a lot to discuss in this podcast with Matthew, but before we get into it, I'd like to remind you guys to please leave a rating and review in the iTunes podcast player. It really helps us out. All right, without any further ado, let's listen in on my conversation with Matthew. So we are here today with Matthew Paquette all the way out in Canada. How are you, my friend? Thanks for being on the show. I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. So this podcast is going live today on the 4th, but tomorrow's a special day, isn't it, Matthew? What is tomorrow? What's so special about it's it? It's my birthday. Heck yeah. Happy birthday to <laughs> you. Oh, I'm so honored. <laughs> that was How old exactly are you? what I needed. How old are you going to be tomorrow? 24. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I had to think about that. <laughs> What's that Taylor yeah. Swift song? Feeling 24. Is that how it goes? No. 22. No, I know. I'm just joking. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, my bad. 24 is a good Oof. year, man. That's awesome. Good for you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Happy birthday. Everybody go wish Thank you so Matthew. Much. If you're listening to this either on the 4th or the 5th, go wish him a happy birthday on Twitter. Why don't you? I appreciate that. Yeah. So where are you right now? You in your house? I'm in my house. I'm in my, my little bedroom studio uh-huh you're living in your house not your red because you bought a red instead of a house precisely so yes so yeah i watched that video recently it's a great <laughs> video explaining kind of why you decided to buy a red when you were 19 can you kind of give us a brief synopsis on that story and how you yeah. even could afford a red at 19 anyways absolutely so uh the story was is that um i was on vine um i was a viner doing brand deals and over the course of about three years, I saved up um, a good chunk of the money that I was making. And um, at the time, Vine was kind of going downhill. We all knew we had like inside info that they were going to shut it down. So my idea was to invest into some production gear. And at the time, my friend just came back uh, from living in, a, in Australia where he was shooting on Reds, doing like DP work all the time. He was like, dude, don't buy a house. You got to buy a Red. Uh, you can rent it out. You can do shoots on it. You're going to make a lot more money. Uh, so he was essentially suggesting to focus on a career rather than uh, real estate, um, which at the time it did make sense. It was going to be really tough for me to get a mortgage at the age of 19, especially without a career. Um, and then uh, and then just trying to maintain a mortgage would have been very difficult. So I think it was a good move. Yeah. And I mean, you were lucky that, you know, all this happened when it did and not now. Because if you were to buy a red four months ago with that same mentality, it would have been like, oh, crap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have a friend who works like uh, in the film industry, like locally around here, and they were out for like three months at least. That's awful. So, 
it things no are starting to pick good. back up people are getting creative you know there's ways you can shoot with a telephoto lens <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's true it's like all the new sitcoms and like shows you're gonna see on tv are gonna be shot on like a 200 mil it's like i'm gonna be all compressed <laughs> we're all like yeah <laughs> the social distancing going on between <laughs> actors and uh and producers um yeah really. but yeah there's there's a lot to your career we're gonna try to touch on as much as we can within you know this hour podcast um, but recently uh people may know you as the editor of maddie hapoya's youtube channel who was is a friend of the show we had him on a couple months ago uh you know you just kind of left it didn't seem like it was you were fired is what maddie called it but it seemed like a friendly fire which is uh an interesting way to put it but um tell me about the process of like what's going on right now why you have left you know is there bad blood between you and maddie did you burn bridges are you guys in a fist fight what's going on tell me the story yes yeah so essentially um uh, i was working as maddie's editor uh for about uh, for a little over two years i think it was and um corona came around and that kind of put a hold on everything because it didn't make sense for him to send me the footage and then i would edit and then get revisions from him it just made sense for him to edit the videos uh so for the first couple of weeks uh, i was i was at home just trying to learn new stuff um which was pretty nice i hopped on skillshare and was just looking for anything i could learn like for uh sorry cinema 4d um after effects um whatever and then uh and then after a couple of weeks of that, Maddie was like, hey, you want to just start your own channel? And I was like, heck yeah. <laughs> and so essentially, uh, I'm just still on payroll and he's sponsoring my uh, first year of YouTube. That's awesome. And, yeah, totally. you know, over the last couple of years, it seems like you've really been on a whirlwind of uh, YouTube experiences. You know, you guys have traveled a lot. You've been able to uh, test and use all sorts of different cameras uh, your editing, I'm sure, has sharpened after making so many videos over and over and over. You know, you kind of, as a YouTube editor, you really have to um, throw away the perfectionism and really focus on speed uh, and, you know, the quality of the content rather than the quality mm -hmm. of the edit per se. But yet, you somehow are able to balance that and have really high quality edits. What are some of the, you know, things you've learned as a YouTube editor over the last two years? um speed and efficiency like when i started i thought sh like editing two or three videos a week was going to be a challenge um and then eventually we were doing daily videos um and now the trick with daily videos is that they're a lot easier to edit because you're not putting in as much detail but when you're doing a tutorial there's lots of b-roll there's screen recordings text on screen so there there's a lot more effort that goes into those um but like the way I can edit a B-roll sequence now is is so much quicker than uh, when I started. So I think I have I have a good leg up on I think a lot of um, other YouTubers or editors who uh, don't have the um, the experience that that I got while working with Maddie. Yeah, my conversation with uh, Sarah Dici, I think she was saying like there needs to be a website where YouTubers can hire editors who understand YouTube. It's like a YouTube yeah. editor hiring place because like if you just hire out <laughs> yeah your basic video editor being in the youtube world it really is different you kind of have to understand why the speed is so important but also just kind of understand the the language of youtube because it, it really is its own language i mean a lot of the things translate obviously um a lot of the standard video you know tips and tricks all work in the youtube space but it really is its own kind of yeah. language what would you have to say about that? Totally. Yeah, there's a whole game you have to play with YouTube. And also I learned um, like what to keep in a video and when to cut stuff out. I think at the beginning that's a little bit uh, tougher. But by the end, I was I was chopping out segments, like just trying to keep keep the train moving, you know. Um, yeah, And I, I love the idea that uh, Sarah Dici had there. Um, I've thought about creating like a Discord server for other YouTubers editors. So it was just like it would just be like this Discord server community of editors. I haven't I haven't made it happen. I feel weird doing it now that I'm no longer Maddie's editor. Um, <laughs> but um, you could spearhead yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're your Make own happen. editor and you're a YouTuber, so it works. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so what are what are some of the things specifically about YouTube editing? that you can talk about that that you use when you're when you're editing say a maddie video or now your own video what are some of the 
things that you've learned over the years to to be an efficient youtuber editor what are those those things yeah uh, one one thing uh, that well, you kind of find a format and then you're often trying to fit that format um, and that's what's gonna um, make your video your edits a lot quicker uh, but B-roll sequences specifically, I came up with a method of where you're not really paying attention to what's in the clip when you're cutting it. You're just um, you're just getting the timing out for the music, and then you use the slip tool to readjust, and then you can time ramp or whatever you want to those clips. Um, and I found that that was like an extremely efficient way to do it. Um, I've gotten a lot faster at changing between After Effects and Premiere. Like if I wanted to um, do a motion graphic, I can quickly uh, like hop over. And that's been that's awesome. That's been nice. Yeah. Uh, do you do you also look at the analytics and stuff like that, or was that something that Maddie was doing on his end? Um, it was all available to me. It wasn't really something that um, I like needed to look at. Um, I mean, like I, I was a little bit interested, but I wasn't like tracking numbers really too much. Um, that was more Maddie's, and now and now Tyler does a lot of that stuff. I was asking because um, at least on my channel on Kinotika, mm -hmm. I found that during b-roll sequences there was a huge drop off on the uh retention oh, really? and so i was curious to know if you guys saw that or if you were tracking that at all um anytime we would cut to like a cinematic b-roll shot we'd have like 30 percent people just drop off so i started mm. um adding my voiceover underneath the b-roll so that there's actually some content being said while the epic b-roll is happening on top and that actually fixed right. our problem um, I do oh, think interesting. I do think because Maddie kind of built his following off of you know being a B-roll guy, you know maybe it's yeah. different. Um, but I was just mm. curious to know if you guys looked into that on the drop off when the B-roll happens on your audience retention. Yeah, I'm curious if actually Maddie paid more attention to that. But as an editor, there was never um, like I don't think that was ever like a, a thing that we paid attention to. Also, intro um, videos we'd have. 20 30 percent drop off as soon as an intro video hit like at the first oh yeah so we ended up just killing the intro video <laughs> yeah i have no intentions of using an intro video like, <laughs> <Yeah>. ever <laughs> i think my own channel <laughs> i think a lot of us are obviously very inspired by casey neistat and he had um intro videos for 368 i think i don't think he was doing it mm. when he did his daily vlog um, I think a lot of us maybe are copying that. And then obviously television always has a theme song or some sort of intro. Um, but right. YouTube isn't TV and people's, uh, people's, mm. you know, kind of attention span is pretty, pretty short on YouTube, at least at the very beginning of each video. So, um, at least right. that's what I've found, but <laughs> it's different for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I, I did, uh, one like rule of thumb, cause we're talking about analytics was, um, to, to try and aim for like a 10% click through rate. Mm -hmm. And that click through rate is like the most important, um, analytic. Yeah. What, uh, did you do the photos for the thumbnails as well? Yeah, it would help out. Uh, Maddie would always edit them, mm -hmm. but like we would spend like 20 minutes trying to get the perfect photo yeah. like, every time. Um, I think it's like probably one of the, the most annoying things about YouTube videos. <laughs> I think everybody kind of generally hates thumbnails. Yeah. <laughs> shooting them. Because there's a whole game you have to play that you don't want to play, but you have to because it's YouTube. <laughs> yeah, totally. What are, I mean, what are some yeah. of the things that you guys found over those two years that worked and didn't work with thumbnails? Right. Yeah, like you, uh, you always want to show uh, your face. So Maddie would always have his face in there. Or if the like the product was more important, then he would he could just show the product. Uh, for example, like the um, Sony A7S III. Mm -hmm. I think he just held out the just held out the camera, and that was the thumbnail. Yeah, sure. Um, but and uh, it works out because yeah. I think for you guys, that studio space is its own character as well as Maddie's face. So right. by taking a photo. Like Gerald Undone, he has that just that purple color scheme on everything. Yeah. So if he just takes a picture of a camera in his set, you know it's his video. Um, right. Same for Potato Jet with his yellow backdrop. Um, yeah. So it actually works out that you know you don't have to always have your face in it if you have a consistent kind of studio space like you guys had there. So. Right. That's true. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense no you're totally right though because if i see a purple backdrop i'm like oh that's drill undone <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's all about that consistency um yeah. so 
you also had a whole career before all this in Vine. You kind of touched on it a little bit. I definitely want to talk about it because I'm fascinated by Vine, about its downfall. You know, I'm a big fan of yeah. uh, Dobrik and what he's been able to do after Vine. Uh, then obviously Wild. Logan and Jake Paul kind of created a whole new genre of YouTube uh, off of Vine. I'm not lumping you into that group at all in it by any means. Um, <laughs> but I'm in a David Dobrik video. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> So you're part of the David Dobrik uh, vlog squad then. That's so legit. <laughs> Imagine. No, no. I was just like in the background. That's awesome. At an event. But yeah. that whole kind of world and what was going on back then was real exciting yeah. and thrilling. And uh, I wasn't like super into Vine, but I did have it on my phone and I would just go there for funny memes and stuff. Yeah. Um, can you just give us kind of your summary of your journey on Vine and what it kind of did for you? as a creator? Yeah, totally. Um, so I was in the 11th grade. That's what we call it in Canada. And it was the summertime going into the, the final year of high school. And, uh, the, this app called Vine came out, I guess it was 2013. And, um, it was starting to get pretty popular. And, uh, a, fr a friend of mine posted a video, um, of, I don't, I, I honestly don't remember what he posted, but it got a bunch of likes. And my first thought was, oh, I need to post something to like, try and like, like one up him or something, like get more likes than he did. And that was, that was my intention. And, um, uh, back then, uh, you couldn't just upload from your camera roll, but I, I, uh, I knew how to like get into the back end and swap the video files. Um, so I, so at this point I had no intention of building any sort of audience or career on, on, uh, on social media. Um, so I just like, I, I downloaded a video off the internet and uploaded it to Vine and it got like 130,000 likes overnight. Like it just popped off. And then at that point it was like, okay, I'm gonna like do something with this. And then, um, I started just making memes cause I was like, that's kind of what people came here for. So keep giving it to them. And then, uh, eventually got to like 50,000 followers. And my thought was, uh, I, I would rather be a Viner than just a, like a funny meme page. So I started like posting more of like, uh, like VFX videos. Cause I was like a nerdy kid who just knew how to use after effects. Um, so th that's, that's kind of what I was doing. Um, and then that led into doing more, um, intense visual effects. And then, um, I was getting a lot more followers. I did this like a knife throwing thing. Um, and people weren't sure if it was real or not because you couldn't upload videos, but I was throwing a knife. So it was like, I was like tricking them. Um, and then I, I, I grew and over the course of, uh, two years, I got up to like 700,000 followers and I was doing brand deals. And then I worked with like Disney, um, Pepsi, uh, hot pockets, uh, a lot of, a lot of weird brands. <laughs> I'd pretty much take anything that came, came my way, honestly. Cause it, like at that point I was, it was an interesting platform because nobody was really following me. They just wanted to see visual effects ideas. Like nobody really knew who I was. So it didn't matter like how, how hard I sold out as long as people still wanted to watch, you know? How many years were you kind of doing that, you know, as your job? Yeah. So, um, I'd say about two years, like the last two years of Vine. Wow. Um, so it was literally, yeah. you kind of, you started this right, you know, literally two years before they shut it down. Yeah. I would say the first year wasn't really a job. So three years total. Then, okay. Yeah. Two years. And then, but like the last year of Vine, it was dead. Like nobody was really watching. Really? What like every, everybody Did everybody hop just, over to Instagram or what happened? Pretty much. I felt like, um, I don't know. I really don't know why the audience fell off. Uh -huh. Um, but Twitter, um, was not making money with the app. So that's why they ended up shutting it down. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of the creators also jumped ship to go to like YouTube, uh, like the, uh, the Paul, Paul brothers and, uh, David Dobrik and his crew. Yeah. Yeah. It was more established, uh, you know, website, obviously. Um, yeah. And all those guys people were making money. Yeah. People were making money. I mean, that's, that's ends up what, that's what happens is the place where you can make a living. Uh, people go over there. Right. I guess Instagram really wasn't swallowing up Viners necessarily. Cause I would think back then there wasn't a mm -hmm. ton of video centric, uh, Instagram influencers. It was still all photo based. So, yeah. um, I guess Snapchat kind of yeah. happened during that time. Maybe people were hopping over to Snapchat. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, do you know Sean Duras? I do. Of course. Yeah. He, uh, he was one of like the big Snapchat people and he was on Vine, but 
really took off on on Snapchat doing the drawings and stuff. That's a shame that uh, Instagram just kind of ripped Snapchat off because I still think like, yeah. this, the IG stories are great, but it still doesn't capture what Snapchat had by being hmm. truly a 24-hour only thing and that's all it ever was. Like just the simplicity of the app was so cool. And yeah, I actually really like the confusing UI of it too. That's kind of what made it fun. Um, right. <laughs> but may Snapchat rest in peace as well as Vine, even though Snapchat yeah, still much, exists. Eh? <laughs> I don't think anybody yeah. uses it. Do you use it? <laughs> I actually do. Like me and my friends have a, just a group chat. Like okay. I don't bother posting on like my story anymore. So it's but, become uh, more of a, uh, a personal network, not necessarily a social network well, it's it actually is a true social network because that's yeah, what social totally. networks were made for is for people to connect with their friends uh, yeah. rather than a bunch of influencers taking a bunch of money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then obviously TikTok yeah, uh, now, I feel like for a lot of people is filling that kind of Vine hole that we, that was left when Vine, yeah. when Vine went away. And they're kind totally. of building on top of what Vine was and making it uh, better and, you know more Chinese. Um, so <laughs> obviously there's a lot of, uh, controversy right now. I say that, you know, because we don't know what the future of it is really. Um, right. There is some shady stuff going on with, uh, the Chinese government and the app, but you know, it is what it is. And maybe that's just a headline on the news. I don't know. What do you, th- what do you think about all that? Have you what been following that? Uh, yeah, a little bit. I, I mean, like TikTok is a machine of a platform. Like there, there's nothing, nothing, there's never been an app, um, as successful as TikTok. Um, that's amazing. And, uh, I, it's, I think the thing that makes it so powerful is the algorithm. There's like every other social media has stayed away from algorithm, uh, besides Facebook, uh, and YouTube. And I think that's like the way that it just feeds you videos and knows exactly what you want to see, like based on what you're liking. Um, I think it just it just hooks you up. But the whole Chinese thing, I mean, who knows? I'm wondering if like Facebook, like China's probably got their hands on Facebook, too. Like even if it's like third party apps stealing your data. I know. Like, who knows? Yeah. I'm like, we'll they just, probably already have our data. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to see. Maybe I'm sure that we can all come to an agreement or something and. You know, if the U.S. demands some sort of change to their app, uh, Apple and yeah. Google will help with that and whatnot. And I don't know. We'll see what happens. So yeah. far, it doesn't seem I'm... like anybody has gone away. But I know a lot of TikTokers are at least trying to, uh, you know, make people go over to Instagram or YouTube because <laughs> it's so weird. Like yeah. people can build your whole career on an app just like Vine. And then out of nowhere, it just goes yeah. away forever. <laughs> it does. It's it's weird. <laughs> what? So, I mean, with that topic in mind, like what happened when Vine went away for mm-hmm. you? What, what did you do? What were your thoughts? I mean, if you saw it coming, yeah. what were some things that you were planning and uh, what were your friends talking about during that time? Yeah. So everyone, so all the other Viners and stuff were jumping to like YouTube and Instagram. Um, but for me, it didn't really feel natural to go to YouTube. Uh, I felt like the content I was creating, I couldn't continue to create on YouTube. It would have just been a different scale. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like the, the stuff I was doing was short VFX videos and I didn't think that I could do that on YouTube. Um, so my, my game plan was to get into video production doing freelance. Um, so, uh, while I was doing Vine, I was actually working part-time at a like local production company and we were shooting like, um, like local commercials and that sort of stuff. Um, and, uh, yeah. So when Vine went down, I kind of just went all in and bought the red, bought some other gear. And, okay. uh, that was my plan. Um, and I did that like successfully for a couple years. And then that's when the, um, hire me Maddie happened. Uh-huh. And it's funny at the time, um, I knew who Maddie was, but I wasn't really like following his videos. Um, and it was a friend who sent me the link, like right after he posted the, the video and then that night I had a submission video, like ready to go and uploaded. That's was, awesome. Yeah. I mean, tell video. me about that process. Um, yeah. You know, there was kind of basically Maddie put out a <clears throat> kind of a contest for editors to submit an edit, um, based on a video that he shot and he just provided all the raw footage and then you yep. made your own video. Can you tell me about the video? And then also that the whole process yeah. of getting hired. 
Yeah, so the uh, the first video we had to make was just an introductory to our, or an introduction to ourselves and uh, like the work that we've done. Um, and then um, he chose five people um, and then he sent each of us the exact same video to edit. Mm-hmm. And our um, our instructions were to emulate what Maddie uh, has already been doing. So to try and like recreate his style. Um, and then we had one section where we had to fill in our ourself. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, I did my, my submission. My submission got the most dislikes. And <laughs> I think, I think, I, I, I mean, I, it might have gotten the least amount of views. I'm not really sure. That's hilarious. But um, <clears throat> it was... Uh, it was just kind of ironic, but I, I followed the instructions well, and uh, that's what got me the job. It was the most stressful, like, month of my life, by the way. Like, <laughs> I was, like, just, like, <laughs> sitting on the edge of my chair all month, waiting for, like, I don't know, something to, like, confirm whether, like, I got the job or, or not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's a good the, time. It's actually funny. We have um, an employee who works at Polar Pro. Her name is Jenna Huben, and she was, I think, one of the five. Yes. That's so funny. Yep. <laughs> so she's uh, she's on the video team at Polar Pro, and uh, she, she was actually guest on this podcast. And uh, oh, nice! I think that Maddie actually recommended her to um, the producer of this show. Actually, we were looking for somebody mm-hmm. on the video team, and he said, "Hey, this girl was she was awesome, uh, but I didn't go with her. So you know, see if she's yeah. available." And turns out she was, and. She's been a good hire for us. So because of that contest, we also yeah. gained an employee as well. <laughs> That's what, I think everyone who was in the top five got hired somewhere else. <laughs> That's pretty it cool. Just, like, it all worked out. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Ma- sweet. Maddie has serious influence in the film and, film and camera space. What I mean, what are some of the things that you've kind of picked up on from just being around him? You know, you get that, that kind of one-on-one behind the scenes look on on him while all of us just mm-hmm. watch his videos um what is he like as a person yeah. what are some of the things as a business person that you've kind of picked up on that he does really well yeah totally so um some of the things are, are, are uh, to describe maddie off camera is uh, a more toned down quiet like um <laughs> i i it, but in some ways i feel i relate to that because in my videos like i i'm i'm trying to uh, they say you want to be one and a half like times yourself yeah. um, in a video. And, and I relate to that. Like I'm probably like the quietest person you'll ever meet. I only speak when I have a thought and uh, <laughs> like it, it's, um, and I, I'd say like Maddie kind of fits into that boat as well. Um, That's cool. But um, yeah. Um, and then as far as business, um, I learned that um, Maddie is definitely a businessman. <laughs> he knows his stuff. Um, the first thing I learned from him was to like di- diversify your, uh, your revenue streams and like always be ha- like, like do YouTube, but also like sell products like digital products, sell courses, uh, do your brand deals, um, do Instagram, like do, um, as much as you can to, to just like have all these little bits add up mm-hmm. into your income. Um, so that's pretty cool. Um, I learned from him how to only shoot what you need for your video. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I think when you're learning, it's really easy to overshoot and then try and like concise it all and, or condense it all in, uh, in, in your edit. Um, but, uh, th- I think the, with, with experience, it just becomes easier to, to shoot less and get the, the best result. That's um, awesome. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's, I guess, uh, coming from, you know, doing your vine thing and then seeing it crash and burn again that's like a great example (laughs) of um why it's important to diversify your portfolio totally yep tell me about the future of matthew paquette what what's your youtube Mm -hmm. channel about what are some of your goals and and what are things that are motivating you right now as a creator because it has been yeah. cool to see your journey over the last just has it only been like a month since this whole thing kind of started i guess <laughs> pretty much there yeah. was like a little bit of there's i think the, the sh- like when maddie did the i fired my editor that was probably about a month ago yeah um crazy so there's a little run-up before that like he wanted me to have like five videos out before that moment gotcha um yeah so i, I yeah so it's kind of like my my first month actually doing it but like second month 
Um, yeah. But uh, you got thirty five thousand subs right now. By the way, congratulations! Dude, isn't that insane? <laughs> <laughs> like, so I never would have imagined myself as being like a YouTuber. You know, like um, well, your, I always your Twitter description says it best. It says, uh, <laughs> "I guess I'm a YouTuber now." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I've always liked the idea of posting videos on YouTube and, and maybe someday making that a career. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never imagined I'd be doing it so soon. Um, it, it just blows my mind, but, uh, goals, I've always wanted a YouTube play button. Like that is like, <laughs> that is like my biggest goal. Like so the 100K. or whatever. A hundred K that is, I, I will at least happily finish. You'll happily accept Life. a million if you get it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, so that that's definitely a goal. I, I've always wanted to play a button since I was like a kid when they first came out. Um, <laughs> I remember I remember watching. So actually, I had a YouTube channel when I was literally in the eighth grade. Um, and we got our channel taken down because we had copyright music. Back mm-hmm. then, if you had copyright music, they wouldn't just claim the like the ad money on your video. They would actually delete your video. Uh-huh. And then if it happened too many times, you would get your whole channel deleted. So that's what happened. I have one video from that old channel. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> I should actually, I should do a video about that. Like you reacting should. to my go. first there's, YouTube there's video. A, there's some content there you for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but honestly, um, it's so cool, uh, being in the YouTube community. Um, I like the vine community was very different. Nobody cared who you were. They just wanted to see a good video and like the YouTube community. It's like I could post anything and I know that there's going to be a group of people who are going to click on my video just because it's me and I'm Maddie's editor or whatever. Like it's just a different mentality where people really um, yeah, it's a good point. feel Never like that. they know you. And TikTok's yeah. kind of the same too. Cause it is such a throwaway piece of content. Yeah. It's like, entertain me for 15 seconds all right i'm entertained next you know it's not like if you're a big tiktok creator people aren't just like waiting around for you to post your next video per se uh obviously there are the the superstars on tiktok that people watch every video they make but um with that as an exception on a smaller scale on youtube you can have a community of people that are true fans that that watch your content yeah, totally. I'm a I'm a big Discord user because um, I like to play video games, mm-hmm. and uh, so I made like a Discord, um, like public Discord. People can join, and it's all like people talking about cameras and whatever. Um, and it's it's just so cool to have like this little community that you're building. That's awesome. It's yeah, it's really sweet. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, goals for my channel. Um, how crazy would it be if I had like my own office, like an actual <laughs> studio, yeah. like and like do what maddie's doing but just like my own thing like that would that would blow my mind like um so i would say that's like a long-term goal totally um but short term honestly i want to continue to make videos about cool stuff so like tell stories Mm -hmm. um whether it's my own stories or someone else's story um interesting things i said in my video that i posted today um that i'm not interested in an echo chamber of tech talk um and if that's all i post on my channel i have failed you as a filmmaker um Mm -hmm. because i don't want to i don't want to be like everybody else i want to be doing my own thing um love it so that's that's kind of my well i guess we'll have my motto right now to see if you're gonna be true to that or not (laughs) yeah really yeah so hopefully the if I if I am doing tech stuff, I hope that it is so that someone else can go do something great. I like that. Not not just so we can all talk about tech. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got a great opportunity with obviously the connection to Maddie uh, and the the base foundation of subscribers that you've just gained in a month. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have the luxury of of experimenting a little bit and doing that. I will say uh, to people listening who are starting from scratch, when I'm talking about like mm-hmm. from the very beginning, talking about uh, cameras that are relevant or tech that's new, uh, it helps with your discovery because people are searching for those products. Right. Uh, and, you know, people aren't searching for Joe Schmo uh, on yeah. YouTube. Um, they're going to search for the new iPhone. So if you talk about the new iPhone, but do it in your own unique, creative way, um, that's how people can can easily discover your content. Absolutely. Um, that's, that's awesome. Good. Oh, and 
something you just mentioned there. Um, I have a very unique situation uh-huh. because nobody's following me for my content. They're following me because I was Maddie's editor. So it's like I have this clean slate of people who are just like, what are you going to post? Like, <laughs> I don't know, but I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I think Dan Mace uh, is like that, where it's like, I fell in yeah. love with Dan on Casey's channel. And, and then I saw how talented he was through his channel. And then now, mm-hmm. you know, he gained a large subscriber base because he was affiliated with Casey. And now, obviously, he's doing his own thing and he's his own man. And, you know, you're your own man. Maddie's his own man. He's, you know, and he mm-hmm. had that connection to Peter as well. So it's like, right. that's what's so cool about the YouTube world is, like, you really can help each other out. It's a collaborative place. And like you said, unlike Vine or TikTok or whatever, like, even Instagram, I feel like the YouTube mm-hmm. community, at least in our little tech camera filmmaker bubble, everybody yeah. I've met has been incredible people. And I don't feel a sense of competition. I feel a sense of community with everybody. And it's... Um, oh, totally. Yeah, it's it's cool to be a part of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. Did, um, did you go to college or university? <laughs> Uh, I dropped out. Yeah. I went one semester in computer programming, but Vine was still around back then. And I was like, I literally paid for my entire semester with one Vine. And I was like, I'm out. I'm done. (laughs) Why am I here? (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. Um, You know, it's obviously kind of culturally accepting to like go to school and do that whole thing. And Mm -hmm. at least for me growing up, it was, that was a goal that my parents had for me personally. Um, and totally. so I went to college and then realized, you know, I was doing weddings and magic at the time, uh, full time magic. Yeah. I was a magician for six years. I actually met Peter what? at magic live like eight years ago. <laughs> yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. I've, uh, I, I think that's what got me into VFX was magic. Really? Like, Are you a magician had... too? No. Okay. <laughs> but you like magic. <laughs> I do. Yeah. <laughs> and it was the idea of like, I can't do magic, but I can edit videos so I can <laughs> like impress people that way. I think it has like the same mentality. Yeah. I was in college, uh, doing a algebra test. And then that very night I was performing for like 3000 people at another university. <laughs> and I was like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to be preparing for my show. And, uh, that's so funny. Yeah, I did. That's how I met my wife. I worked at like three or four different restaurants each week doing like table to table card magic and stuff. Oh, cool. And yeah, so, yeah. Uh, she was a hostess. I have, I have a bent quarter from a uh, restaurant magician. Oh, heck yeah. Well, that's how oh, I made my living as a teenager, 14 yeah. till early twenties, about 10 years of my life. I was a professional illusionist. Um, and a lot of those skills have translated over now to YouTube, uh, for me personally, being a performer and understanding, you know, how to perform and, uh, whatnot, turning it on, like you said, one and a half percent. I love that. That's actually great for me. I probably go up to 10% but, or 10, I go, (laughs) I go 10 X probably, but, um, but yeah, uh, you know, this isn't a podcast about me and everybody who's listened to this show has heard me tell this story multiple times. So they're going to (laughs) probably rip me a new one in the comments so i'll just move on but (laughs) that's great (laughs) but yeah college is uh it's a different kind of world right now with college and university especially right now good grief like i saw a great tweet the other day that said streaming services have really gone up quite a bit and it was like netflix eleven dollars disney plus six dollars harvard university fifty thousand (laughs) dollars streaming (laughs) that's amazing (laughs) Harvard is uh, charging the online same amount now. for online oh courses. My gosh. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Streaming services. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's great. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, it's a personal decision. Um, I've, I like to kind of stoke that flame and poke it a little bit on Twitter every once in a while. Uh, there are a yeah. lot of hardcore college people for some reason that like want me to know that with the, they spent a hundred thousand dollars on school and it was worth it somehow. Um, <laughs> I think a lot of the anger that people have about college and saying how good it is, is people just wanting to justify the fact that they spent mm. that money and didn't yeah. <laughs> get anything out of it. That's um, why I talk about my camera. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's yeah, exactly. It's, it's actually a topic of conversation. I'm sure a lot of people call you crazy for buying that camera. <laughs> Oh, totally. <laughs> um, 
Oh, I was going to say, it's funny how you can go to college to learn how to run an Instagram account, you know, like you can go to marketing and, and whatever. Yeah, basically. Yeah. And you know, it's, this is all coming from our perspectives as create, as creatives, you know, if you want to, obviously I'm not at all debating the validity of going to school. If you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, that's not at all what I'm saying. (laughs) No, I just think for our niche in the filmmaker, photography, even influencer niche, if you want to do anything, maybe take, you know, go to an associate's, get an associate's degree, go to school for two years for business and learn, you know, taxes and like how to charge the right amount for things and, you know, manage, manage a business. It's important, you know, to run a business, but I don't know. Other than that, you can learn on your own, man. That's what the internet's for. Yep. <laughs> so we all did it. <laughs> so I fielded some questions on Twitter. Uh, do you mind if we yeah. go through a couple of those Twitter Absolutely. questions? Um, M. Brandon Lee from the YouTube channel, This Is Tech Today, a good friend of mine, he asks, what are his long-term financial and investment goals and aspirations, LOL? I know he's into that stuff and so am I. <laughs> um, YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> no, honestly, uh, I want to... Um, essentially follow the footsteps of what Maddie's done, but in my own way. Um, I think I have some good things to say about um, whether it's a premiere course or an After Effects course or a general editing course, do something uh, that direction. Um, One day I would love to actually have my own studio. I think that is a dream of mine. Um, And uh, yeah, I just really see where this takes, takes me. I mean, that's kind of how I've, I've, that's kind of my, been my, my mentality, um, for a while now and it seemed to work out. So I'm Mm. just going to keep doing it. Yeah. Are you like a a debt guy or are you a debt free Mm. guy? You know, like, do you invest in any stocks or anything like that? Um, at the moment I'm a debt guy, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, I mean, if I could be debt free in like a year or two, that's pretty cool. Honestly, it's not much. It's, yeah. uh, yeah. Um, it's, Francis. Because of the red. <laughs> it's fine. At Kazan Francis asks, where do you get your inspiration for your edits from? So is, is there any like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like if it's like a VFX edit, um, it could be inspiration from other VFX editors. Um, I feel like a lot of it revolves around what you know you can do. So you, you think of mm-hmm. the effect first and then you try and think of like a way you can apply the, the effect. So if you know how to like. I don't know, make uh, something disappear. You can now try and tell a story where something disappears and um, that sort of thing. Oh, for example, like uh, my most recent VFX video was the tennis ball video. That was um, kind of um, uh, Kevin Perry. He's one of like the big VFX guys. Was doing a, a like a monthly theme where he was just using tennis balls to make VFX videos. So I jumped in on that and uh, awesome. kind of took the yeah. So just. I'd say other people, sometimes music. What kind of music do you like? Who do you listen to? Um, Bands or artists? That's a good question. Let me take a look at my phone. I honestly don't listen to music often. Are you a podcast Um, guy? (laughs) Ooh, I am. Me too. Do you, do you, have you ever heard of radio labs? Yeah. I think it's like a, it might be a, like, I know that it's not a Canadian podcast, but they play it on CBC all the time. And like, it's just so well produced. And it's always so interesting. You you end up caring about things that you never never Radio. knew about. Yeah, Radio Lab. Yeah, totally. Mm-hmm. Why in what? It's a New York City. Yeah, it's made yeah, in New York. York. It's made in New York. WNYC. Cool. Yeah, I love I and love then, podcasts. Obviously, I mean, this is kind of meta. We're we're doing a podcast right now. I love um, podcasts. I use an app called Overcast, which I find to be one of the better podcast apps. It has a feature Ooh. called Smart Speed that basically goes through all of the audio and finds gaps in it. And then it'll like in a smart way, speed up when the gaps happen and then slow back down when the dialogue starts. So you can like listen at 1.75 X with smart speed on. And it's like, I can burn Hmm. through an hour long podcast and that's awesome. Way less time. And it's even got a voice boost feature too, which is cool. It like, if the person that yeah. you're listening to doesn't do a good job on the EQing, it'll actually do its own EQ on the audio so that you can hear it better. It's pretty oh, cool. cool. And a compression. <clears throat> That's sweet. Yeah. When I was driving to uh, Maddie's office all the time, it was like every day was a podcast. Yeah. Um, 
Was it the daily? That was a good one just for the car. For yeah. The car ride. Totally. Get some news. Um, but uh, Cameron Clay asks, "Want to play some Rocket League?" LOL. <laughs> Are you a Rocket <laughs> like League fan? Me, uh, I just recently got into it. Like I, I played it okay. when it first came out. But uh, Cameron is a is a friend of mine, and uh, oh, okay. we play every once in a while. <laughs> he's he's like one of my uh, I mods in the Discord server. <laughs> I got you. So that's a yeah. that is a very relevant uh, tweet there for you and him. It's an inside joke. Yeah. Exactly. Um, this is a good question. Ryan Michaels asks, was it weird to try and embody Maddie's style when you first started editing for him? Not particularly because I feel like the way I've learned, uh, to become an editor was to just copy other people. I feel like that's the best way to, to learn is to, uh, copy what other people are doing. And then eventually once you've grown, uh, or you've learned enough skills, you now can create your own style. Um, but to try and like emulate what Maddie was doing, I don't think it was uh, weird, um, because, yeah, I think it's just a natural, yeah. natural way to, to learn. But um, having him um, kind of guide the edits as well made it a lot easier. So I would I would essentially piece together the whole thing, and then he would hop on the computer, adjust everything, and then okay, yeah. So that w- way he could just yeah. Did you end up doing like a hundred percent of the edit pretty much, or would you say like ninety percent? Or eighty percent. I mean, would he still finish it up? On, on yeah, I would say m- most edits I was doing like ninety percent, and then he was just topping it off with the ten. Um, but there was a a couple like when we went to Iceland, he wanted to make sure that the B roll sequence was was perfect, so he did the B roll sequence, and then I did the rest of the video. Um, cool. But for the most part, um, yeah, it was it was mostly like I'd say an eighty or sorry, ninety ten eighty twenty yeah sort of thing. At James Yigatos asks, what's it like being a Canadian in the YouTube space and would he consider his location an advantage or not? <laughs> That's interesting. Um, isn't it weird that there are so many filmmaker YouTubers that live in Ontario? <laughs> <laughs> I think we have one person in particular to thank for that, but yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, like Peter? <laughs> he definitely, I guess, would be considered the uh, the person with the giant flag allowing those True. people to follow in his footsteps and obviously do their mm-hmm. own thing but uh i yeah. i don't know i'm not blaming everybody yeah, no. on one person but um if anything <laughs> it, it kind of insp- makes sense though if anything it, in- yeah. it inspired no. people in the area yeah. at least oh totally yeah like i'm just everyone i can think of has pretty much been influenced by peter like uh jesse driftwood I, oh, okay maybe except drilled undone <laughs> i think <laughs> so we got Jesse Driftwood, um, who was friends with Peter back in like the the wedding film days, mm-hmm. uh, as well as um, Chris Howe, who was mm-hmm. also his, one of his friends. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously Maddie. Yeah. Um, who who else is there? There's got to be more. <laughs> There's definitely more. I don't uh, know. What's Anyways. his name? Uh, magician guy. Oh, even Sam Colder. He's from Toronto. Yeah, Colder. But obviously, everybody you're listing is is their own unique person. By any means, oh, I totally. do not want to take away from the hard work and the uh, the talent of all those people. But I will say for myself, seeing Peter do what he did um, showed that there is a large amount of people interested in this topic. It, and mm-hmm. before <clears throat> that, the kind of top of the top YouTubers in this niche, they were just kind of reviewing gear and not adding a lot of personality and obviously you had people like Kai W who have incredible personalities and Jared Polin and Tony and Chelsea Northup and all these people in that niche that are very successful. But Mm -hmm. Peter kind of took what Casey did and turned it into this great filmmaker gear photography thing, made it accessible for people, made it entertaining. Um, And he really, I think for a lot of us is somebody that we can look to and say, well, if he did it, you know, yeah. then that means there's people out there that want to watch this type of stuff. And it kind of right. opened the doors for all of us to, to create, I think. Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. And when I said influenced, I think it was more Peter telling them like, oh, you should start a YouTube channel. I imagine. I actually don't know if that happened, but yeah, sure. It sounds like it. <laughs> David Davies asks, how did he learn to backflip off a swing? It's witchcraft. <laughs> I don't even know. I think there was just like another kid at the park who did it when I was a kid. I was like, oh, that's cool. I want to try. And just and, uh, realize that it's... And then the final question that we have um, is from Nate. Um, Oh, wait, hold on. Yeah. And our final question that we have is from Nate Reamers. Best investment he's made in his craft. What is the best investment that you've made <laughs> in your craft? Obviously, we've talked about the red, um, but I'm curious to know if that's your yeah. answer to that question. No, honestly, probably my uh, my PC. Your PC? Just, just a, a good editing machine as an editor editing first <laughs> <laughs> of yeah. course you gotta have I mean, a truck if you're gonna haul some stuff you know what i mean exactly <laughs> yeah um like um when i do travel i use uh, a macbook pro and i love it um but it's like nothing feels as good as just like a good editing station you know yeah beefy fast massive loud <laughs> oh yeah huge old <laughs> machine <laughs> i had to i had to turn it off for this podcast it's not so loud how was that working with maddie i know he's a mac guy and you're a pc guy obviously premiere allows yeah. that to be possible um, well i yeah i have no um like pr preference like i'll use mac i'll use pc i don't care as long as it works um but uh, as soon as i got there we were on the fence of ordering like an imac because uh -huh. the Mac Pro wasn't out yet, and the the current Mac Pros, which were the garbage can looking ones, yeah. those ones weren't that good. And we so we were on the <laughs> fence of getting um, an iMac Pro, I think uh -huh. it was, or yeah. a custom built PC. Um, and we ended up going with the custom built PC, which I think I I kind of pushed for a little bit. Yeah. Um, but uh, like, yeah, it was it was no problem at all. I, I think, think if you're I a Premiere yeah. editor, it's the way to go. Oh yeah, totally. I mean, yeah, I don't know what I would do without it well, although maddie hates the pc still like anytime <laughs> he was on it he just he hated it <laughs> it is a, a bit of a you know it is a little jarring when you go from one os to another and that's the same for mm -hmm. ios and android as well but um i don't know i i like kind of playing around with everything that's why i love my job i people are like i yeah. can only use one camera brand and that's it because that's what i like and it's like no i i like seeing all the menus from everybody and playing around with it and seeing how the buttons are and whatever like it's fun i don't know right but yeah totally because uh, yeah i'm not opposed to pc at all but i do have a mac i, I enjoy the mm -hmm. benefits of the walled garden like airdrop and iMessage and all that kind of stuff yeah. um mm -hmm. and then i am obviously a final cut editor so i have oh, no, right. i kind of have no choice anyways so <laughs> true yep yeah i'm curious what a hackintosh how that if it's reliable it's about to um, not be because apple silicon's coming and <laughs> Oh, yeah, yeah, the ARM processors. That's yeah, true. that's going to be great. I think it's going to be real exciting. And uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see how this whole thing goes. But with, yeah. what, with what the iPad Pro can do now with no fan and like barely any RAM, imagine what Apple can do with a proper cooled computer with yeah. a ton of RAM in it. Like it's going to knock totally. the socks off. And uh, unfortunately, you know, Premiere probably will be late to uh, update compared mm. to what Final Cut will be straight out of the gate. So as a Final Cut editor, I'm pretty stoked. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I, I'm. I am. I, I do like the idea that they're doing. <laughs> yeah, smaller, but, um, lighter, cheaper, more battery life. I mean, the benefits of it are <laughs> incredible. And yeah. because Apple's designing everything now, from the chip to mm. the hardware of the computer True. itself, yeah, yeah. it could be pretty Im impressive. Um, lastly, what do you think of, uh, this is just me asking now, what do you guys, what do you <laughs> think of the new kind of camera bodies that are happening right now? There's some exciting news with the Canon R5, the R6, and then obviously the one that was released yesterday as we're recording this, the Sony a7S mm -hmm. III. Uh, what are your thoughts on all those new tools and are you excited about it or not? <laughs> Yeah, well, I, I think they, they are, I think it's incredible what the companies are coming out with right now. And I plan on hopefully picking up an A7S III, um, mostly for the, the low light and, yes. you know, 4K, 120, whatever. And the lack of um, overheat. But, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but I think, um, 
I was going to say, oh yeah, I like the way Maddie said it. It was like, if you're complaining about cameras right now, like you just suck. Like you're, you're not a good filmmaker if you're complaining about your camera. Like oh, the yeah. camera's not the problem. All it's the way, <laughs> All the way down to even a Canon M50, you can get good footage out of a $500 yeah. mirrorless now. I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And we're so fortunate to be living in this era uh, for sure. Yeah. So totally, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, <laughs> I'm. Uh, I'm not excited though to switch to Sony lenses if I decide to do that. What do you mean? Because of the expense, or because you don't like them? Yeah, no expense. I was I gonna l- say the it. lenses are great. The GM yeah, lenses, totally. But I, uh, I don't no. know if you've played with the Tamron. Um, there's a 17 to 28 2.8, and then there's a 28 to 75 mm. 2.8, and they're both phenomenal lenses. They're half yeah. the size and half the price of a GM lens so oh nice i would highly recommend those tamron sony e-mount zooms they're really good the autofocus is great the bokeh is even like really pretty um yeah so check it out (laughs) yeah yeah that's cool yeah one thing i that reminds me another thing i learned um is like i feel like as like a filmmaker we were told to like always use prime lenses but as a youtuber it's like the opposite it's like (laughs) one lens get her done i shoot everything on a 15 mil on my uh my yeah em1 that's it it's a 28 millimeter equivalent <laughs> but nice yeah i've been loving it. <laughs> yeah anyways awesome. um so to kind of wrap this whole thing up and again thank you for your time man i really appreciate it absolutely um to wrap well, this whole you. thing up what's uh what's kind of your 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 thing that you'd like to to say to somebody who wants to be doing what you're doing you know maybe they're starting a youtube channel fresh um they're getting into the content creation game now and uh just with everything you've learned with your process through vine through your editing with maddie and now starting your own youtube channel or some words of wisdom that you can share with somebody who uh, wants to be doing content creation on the internet Mm. oh man i have a couple thoughts but um i think you just need to get out there and do it um I mean, that's what everyone says. I, 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 I think it might have been Peter came up with the saying, but better better done than perfect. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I think every video has a right way to do it and a wrong way to do it. Try and fight the, find the right way to do it. Whether that's... So, for example, if you're going to if you're gonna talk about... A, a, um, I don't know. You're going to tell the story about how you um, uh, lost your camera or your camera got stolen. <laughs> um <laughs> You could. Why are you uh, looking at me? You could. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> you could just. Uh, you could sit in front of a camera and you could tell the story, or you could get behind the camera and tell the story. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's like, I think there's a right way to do everything in a wrong way. That's all. And like, how are you going to do things differently than everyone else? Yeah, I can't agree more about those statements. Honestly, uh, good is good enough is another way to put it, and that's kind of how I live my life as well. Um, I think it, you know, being a perfectionist is, is real important. You know, if you want to be artsy fartsy and you're just trying to make a great piece of art and be proud of it, but from a business side, sometimes good is good enough. And, uh, because it's all about consistency and, um, also just getting experience. If you're not used to being on camera, having multiple videos under your belt really helps, Mm -hmm. um, give you confidence to go out there and make more. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I totally agree. Anyways, we all look forward to seeing your career on YouTube explode. (laughs) Also on TikTok as well. You've kind of, we didn't really touch on it, but you you have made some viral TikToks as well. Um, I have. I even made a video for David Dobrik. (laughs) uh, Which video was it? Um, he, it was, the story was that he posted a, um, like a commercial on his Instagram story and then um, I, I responded to his story being like, oh, if you want someone to like VFX that effect into a video, let me know. And he was like, cool, let's do it. And then that was the end of the conversation. A couple of weeks later, he sent me a video and was like, can you do the thing? And I was like, sure. So I went and figured out how to do it and <laughs> made the video and then tried to milk it a little bit further by doing a behind the scenes like on TikTok about it. Oh, cool. But so, yeah, it was fun. So everybody can go see that on your TikTok account. What's your TikTok account? Yeah. Is it just your name? Yep, everything, all my social media, Matthew Paquette. That's perfect. It's a unique yeah. name, just like another <clears throat> YouTuber that you may have worked with previously. <laughs> There's not many yep. people with that name, unless you're a serial uh, killer, serial, serial murderer. Yep. <laughs> there was a Screamo singer with Matthew Paquette. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. 
that's better than that's, that's better than a serial killer <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> that's true well thank you so much matthew for being yeah. on and uh we'll have to have you on maybe a year or so from now and follow up and see how youtube is treating you <laughs> yeah absolutely would love to thank you so much for having me absolutely we'll talk soon thanks again great Hope you guys enjoyed my conversation with Matthew Paquette. I really enjoyed hearing his story about his Vine journey, as well as hearing what he has planned for the future with his own channel. Make sure to subscribe to his channel on YouTube. I've linked it in the show notes below with this podcast. You can definitely go head over there and check out all of his incredible content on YouTube. Also, he's a big Twitter boy, so go follow him on Twitter and TikTok if it still exists when you're listening to the show. This podcast is being released on August 4th, and August 5th is Matthew's birthday. So, Matthew, if you're listening to this and anybody else who's listening to this, happy birthday, Matthew. Go wish him a happy birthday on Twitter or Instagram if you can, if the timing is right when you're listening to this. Once again, this has been a Golden Hour podcast brought to you by the Polar Pro Studio. I'm your host, Dave Mays, and we'll see you next week. And by the way, follow me on Twitter at Dave Mays, would you? Would you please? Feeling 24.